Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Well, if this is your first Sunday, welcome, welcome. Last week we started a, a new series, kind of post-Easter, and we, it's called The Abundant Life, and it focuses on a scripture that we find it's not up there. In, um, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life, and life abundantly. And so, kind of coming off of Easter, we thought... Man, how do we live in this resurrection life that Jesus came to die to give us? What does this resurrection life look like in my own life? Uh, Today, we're going to kind of expand one step a little farther and look in kind of, uh, there's some graphs, graphs up there, man. Hey, last week we talked about just how do we How do we abide with the Lord? How do we be connected to the vine? We talked about communing with the Lord, that our communion with the Lord is the source of all of life. If you aren't communing with the Lord, the pathway that Jesus provides you to, uh, all this other stuff is just kind of window dressing. Uh, But we talked last week how to commune with the Lord. But this week, we're going to kind of step one step farther and look into kind of our home, our home, who lives with you? Could be uh, your whole family, could be some roommates, uh, could be just you and your spouse. But that's the kind of jurisdiction or that's the kind of scope that we're going to kind of, how do we bring resurrection life in the home? We're going to talk about that today. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, Lord, all of us come from not perfect homes. And Father, I pray that Lord, as you lay out in your word and in your ways, God, that you would help us navigate to cultivate our home life that reflects you, that reflects the kingdom of heaven, that reflects your ways and your justice. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you have in store for us in our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, like I said last week, we focused on this a passage in John 15 about Jesus being the true vine, but kind of starts off, Jesus said this, he says, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. My father is the gardener. God is a gardener. We see this clearly in creation. God planted a garden at first. He was given many names in the Bible, grand names, majestic names, but from the beginning, To the end, there is one name more illuminating than the rest by which we can know him. God is a gardener. In Genesis 2.8, we're told God had planted a garden in the east. Immediately, we get this image of Almighty God coming down and digging up and planting a garden. And in the midst of it, he puts Adam and Eve to cultivate it, to tend it, to steward it, to see it flourish so that it spans the ends of the earth. That was God's original plan for his garden of Eden. He creates everything. He creates men and women to steward it, 
to cultivate it, to see it flourish. Genesis 1, 26 says, so God created human beings in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. A lot of question going on in our society as to that. But this is God's way. And you're in church, so you're going to hear it. And God blesses them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. God gave Adam and Eve a commission of dominion, a responsibility to create a culture for life and flourishing, of beauty and glory in partnership with God for God's glory and for others. To subdue it, it means to use your God-given authority, your intellect, your passion, your capacity to take the resources that he has provided and utilize them to create a culture that reflects him and his habitation of heaven. This is what's known as the cultural mandate. It's restated again in Genesis 2, 15, says the Lord placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, to cultivate it, to watch over it. It's interesting, that's a word tend, or it means to preserve, to guard, protect, secure it. Like we talked about in, in worship, Anna brought up a great, great passage that Jesus talks about, shares a parable. And he says, man, you can either build your life on a rock or on sand. But I'm telling you, a storm is going to come and it's going to prove what foundation your house is built on. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like Joshua in the Old Testament who says, well, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That there's a conscious decision about the foundation upon what you're going to build your home on. And yeah, sorry, I, got, I wanted to say this. Talking about home life, when you come to roommates or like family with four kids, totally different environments. I totally understand that. But we're going to try to pull out some principles, some kind of general things that we all can kind of take of like, hey, I, can, I don't have to have a family and kids to kind of know what to do. Like I can be single and roommates and bam, we now know what to do. But he, he gave him a garden. God has given you a garden. No matter where you're at, God has given you a garden to tend and to cultivate. And so as we dive in on this, start asking some questions. What's the culture like in my home? Is it life-giving? Are there fruits of the Spirit? Or is it cold? Is it depressing? Is it we're not communicating? Or we don't really talk much about deeper things because we're not really in agreement. And so we kind of just don't want to go there, just kind of like play it safe and not really get deep and not really experience this kind of garden that God has designed you for. How might God be leading you to shift the environment in your home from something that steals, kills, and destroys to a place where God's presence resides? So to kind of frame this, again, we're talking about home life. Thousands of books have been written about it. But we're going to sum it up in the next 15 minutes. Amen? Come on. Let's have our faith about us. So I think we're just going to kind of frame this up with the garden analogy is what kind of seed are you sowing? 
What kind of seed are you sowing in your home? Is it seeds of the flesh the Bible talks about? Is it selfishness? Is it pride, control, or passivity? Is it greed, where money's kind of the god of the house? And we talk about money all the time. We're dictated by money. You may not even be wealthy. You could be poor and have money be your idol, and your whole life rotates around it. Or how about material success or success out in the world? Or are they seeds that you're sowing that come from the Spirit of God? Whether it be love, sacrificial service, laying down your life for those that are in your household. That you wake up and you're like, man, what can I do to serve my family today? What can I do to serve my roommates today? So we've got seeds of the flesh, we've got seeds of the spirit, or how about just culture? Does culture, the, the culture of the world that desires to deconstruct the family in a moral cesspool, does that dictate the culture of your home? Or if you're a follower of Jesus, does the culture of heaven dictate your home? There's a choice to be made. And if you have not picked up on the fact that there is a war over who shapes culture, and there is a war over this next generation, and it is up for grabs, up for grabs. I don't know. I mean, I, I know my heart here and our, our heart here as a staff at City Life, we exist to help equip righteous men and women to take their places as sons and daughters of God and to kind of push back this orphan spirit that we see emerging in our culture and to yearn to build family. No matter where we're at, whether it's our own family or spiritual family, no matter where we go, we're here to build family because it's counter to the spirit of the world. And so this is so vital that we get this. So it's, so, it's such an important thing to learn to cultivate the garden that God has given you. And to not, you know, to drop a little more, more seriousness on the condition... We live in a nation where now 51% of all American children born are born out of wedlock. 51. In 1950, it was 2.7. America is the most father. I got this from a mainstream article. Not like, man, what kind of sources are you getting? But America is the most fatherless country in the world currently. America is the most fatherless country in the world. What are we exporting? Not family. We're exporting anti-family. And wildly, you can't find statistics on fatherlessness after 2017. Because they don't keep them anymore. At least the state doesn't. Because they wouldn't want to have record of the harmful side effects and the results of the policies that they're passing. There's an illustration. Kruger Park, so you have a, but in South Africa, Kruger Park in South Africa, 
there, they, it was a habitat for elephants, and they began to be a little overpopulated, and so they had a plan. They came up uh, with a plan to transport some of the moms and some of the young elephants to another reserve. Uh, and they thought, you know, just, hey, the young, the young elephants will grow up and kind of take their place as the males in, in, that, in that habitat. And what's interesting is that, so when they transported these elephants over with big harnesses and helicopters, um, something interesting happened in that new habitat those young lions began attacking and killing the white rhinoceroses and a lot of other animals that traditionally the elephants have gotten along fine symbiotically with in nature. They're like, what is going on? And we're at risk of these communities kind of because the white, the white rhinoceros is extinct and so or near, rare, near extinct. So what do we do? So their full answer was just, let's bring the dads back in. And they brought the dads back in, and those young elephants learned what it means to be a male elephant, and within three months, that whole culture changed and that habitat got back to normal. What happens when you take fathers out of a home? So yeah, we're talking about fathers, but... Man, even if you're single, this is so important to get. That's why singles, God's given you a garden in your roommates. And so you can learn how to tend the garden God gives you. Man, God gave me a highly idiosyncratic, means he had a lot of ticks and a lot of weirdnesses, as kind of like my, my first prime roommate. I mean, the guy, I'd wake up, go to the restroom just to kind of, you know, Morning constitution, whatever. So you're going to, and in the toilet, he would have Kleenexes that he had twisted all the way up his nose, and then he'd just leave it in the toilet. Like nose tampons, just kind of like, just like, well, bro, what are you doing? But I was a passive guy. I was a passive roommate. I was one that just kind of like, hey, you know, it's... It's not my, you know, that's him. And I just kept just sucking, you know, dirt. And then finally, it was like, I got this revelation of like, hey man, I've sent you to help him as well. Because he was helping me grow my faith and he was helping me get in the word. And so I was just like, okay, great. But God put me in some circumstances where I had to speak up or I would have bailed. And so God sometimes puts some maybe very difficult roommates or some difficult people, maybe your spouse sometimes, or children, that you've got to learn how to navigate and cultivate in the midst of that. You may feel inadequate. Well, let me tell you, you know something. We all do. We all feel inadequate to this task that God has given us of stewarding the garden he's given us. And what's difficult is that, hey, when it was just us solo communing with the Lord, pretty easy. Not too much difficult there. But when it involves other people, that once you realize the only person you can control on a good day is yourself, 
need to create a culture in your home. But we must rise up in his resurrection strength and learn to love tending the garden God's given us. So to kind of wrap us into some practicals, what do we need to tend to? What do you and I need to preserve, to guard, to protect, to see an abundant garden in our home? Well, to kind of continue on this gardening analogy, tend to the weeds. Tend to the weeds. Weeds are things, are, ad, are adversaries that kind of grow up within the garden. They kind of come out of nowhere. I'm not a very good gardener. <laughs> in, re, in, like, in reality, real gardening. I'm a good gardener at home. But when it comes to like real gardening, not very talented, but you got to get the weeds out. Sin patterns, these would be habits, ways of behaving, ways of thinking that are counter to God's ways that needed to be tended to if you're going to build your house on the rock. It's those, it's those weeds of addictions, unresolved offenses, things that kind of happen, but because of the soil or the seeds that were sown in maybe our family life when we were a child or our parents and their soil and their, their child, childhood... We kind of maybe inherited some, some funky soil with some hidden seeds, some hidden weeds in there. And so as they spring up, a lot of times you just don't know what's in your soil until it springs up. Man, when I was single, I thought, man, I, I, I had kind of an anger thing, and it was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. I had thought I handled that, then I got married, and then this like anger kind of comes back up, and I'm like, man, I thought I... I thought I had that handle. I thought I tended to that weed, but circumstances brought that weed right back out. And I got to tend to it. I can't ignore it. I got to take responsibility to cultivate it and tend it. So how do you tend it? With these kind of weeds, it's through repentance or forgiveness. Repentance means I'm going to take authority for my crap in this mess. And I'm going to ask God to change my heart. And I'm going to repent. And I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm going to turn my back on that passive pattern, on that controlling pattern, on those addictions, on whatever it is that you're sowing into your, into your home culture that just isn't bringing life. It's bringing death. Tend to the weeds. Tend to the weeds in the relationships with your home. I mean, sometimes we kind of, we kind of uh, make peace with f uh, false peace. <laughs> we make peace with false peace. What do I mean by that? False peace is where you have a thought that you want to say to someone or you have some things on your heart that you want to communicate, but instead of communicating those, you never do. You never do. And we live with this false peace. When we have things really going on in our mind, but we don't communicate those, this happens most often in the home. And so it's like, man, if you have things to share, things to say in your heart, say them. Like, man, when you did that, that really offended me. Bring it out. Come to a place of understanding. Most of the time when people are kind of arguing in a home, the goal isn't agreement. You might say, what? No, 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 we got to get, no, we got to get straight up on this. No, no, no. The goal is understanding. The goal is I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're coming from. I understand. 
you. Tend to the weeds. The best remedy for weeds is a healthy garden. Uh, right before we bought our house, the, the old lady that we bought it from redid her whole lawn and put a sprinkler system in. So people kind of like when they come over our house, man, your lawn's so green. It's like, I had nothing to do with it. But knowing a little about lawns, the, the way to get rid of weeds is just to have a great, has a thick, you know, healthy lawn. That's just how to keep weeds out. You have a healthy garden, keeps the weeds out. When things sprout up, take responsibility. All right, the weeds. How about the pests in a garden? Man, when we try to garden, it's, it's really not necessarily the, the stuff inside. It's the pests that come in from the outside. These are adversaries coming into your home culture from the outside that you're allowing. The culture of the world will never not try to infect your kingdom culture at home. It's a constant, every day will constant try to come in, wreck your relationships, wreck your home, split it up, keep you from going deep as a family. And we just kind of like play along. Romans 12, 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? Think. We walk into this with some stinking thinking. We walk into this relationship with God and truths that the world told us was true, we kind of keep kind of bringing those in and then we kind of blend them in a little bit with kind of God's opinion of things. And we call ourselves Christian. That's not what a Christian is. That's not a person who has died and given and just said, God, whatever you say, I believe. Husbands and fathers, if you're here and a husband and father, you are the gatekeeper to your home. It's the way God set it up. You are the gatekeeper to your home. So if there's any kind of spiritual attack, it's got to go through you first. You don't have to be a spiritual giant, but you do have to be spiritual to go after the weeds and the pests that come to kind of tear your home, tear your garden down. And then lastly, I've kind of learned this from my wife, but thin it out. So when you got little, little seedlings and little sprouts, as you're seeing those grow, you kind of want to do this process, what's called thinning. And it's at a certain stage where you start to recognize, hey, this one's growing really healthy, and this one's really skinny and thin. So I got to remove the skinny and thin ones so that the nutrients can go to the strong and healthy ones. And this is, what are the weak things in your life that don't, aren't fruitful? What do you need to thin out so that you have the resource, the nutrients for the most important things. One of the greatest bits of advice that I think I've, I, I keep communicating to people, next week we're going to talk about work. How do I bring resurrection life at work? It's going to be a tremendous message. I'm not, because I'm not saying, I'm not preaching it. Another guy is. <laughs> uh, but you need to save your best energy for home. 
You need to save your best energy for the most important people in your life. And in our society, it's almost like you give the best energy to the world out there, and the family and home life gets the residual. It gets you coming home defeated, depressed. Uh, uh. What kind of seed is that sowing in your home? Stop it. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Thin out the stuff that's stealing the life for the most important things. And sometimes it's just getting our minds right on the drive home. God, I'm going to give my best energy to the most important people. Because a lot of times when we're, if you're out in the, you know, work or kind of giving your best energy, the people in your home deserve your best energy. Because it's the most important thing is your garden. Fields, which is next week, fields may change. But your garden is what God has given you to steward. And you might want to find a way out. You might be like, man, there's so much mess in that garden. Couldn't we just sell the garden and then buy one that's kind of already tended to? It's like, no, man, it doesn't work that way. Nature does not work that way. You let it go, what happens? Weeds begin to start taking over. Pests begin to come in and there's no fruit any, anymore. So thin it out. Thin it out. You are charged and commissioned by God to learn how to garden or cultivate like he does in our homes. To reflect him and his nature to the closest people around us. This is our training ground for life and godliness. This is the training ground God's given you. He shapes us not out in isolation, but through the people closest to us. And that's one of the things I, I don't understand about God. It's like, man, God, couldn't we go out into kind of isolation where we could kind of laboratory this thing? I could learn all the relational things I need to know. I could learn all the wisdom. And then we could kind of like reinsert with kind of like all that. And we're just kind of, it's like, no, no, no. He has you practice on other people. And it's like, dang, really? Lord, let us fear you in that process. And then lastly, harvest. Genesis, or Galatians 6 says this, Don't be misled. You cannot mock, God, mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired in doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Imagine what in your life, if God's resurrection life really got a hold in the culture in your home, what would that, what would that look like? How would that transform the, maybe the marriage in that home? How would that transform maybe the environment in which your kids grow up in if you have children? I, I can't make the choices for my sons. They have their own will, their own volition, their own mind. And it's on them before the Lord to choose in their life. But I, I don't get to control that. But I do control the environment in the house. And I'm responsible for that. How about marriage? How about friendships? 
where they become lifelong, where you create family, where you create a home that people can come in and they sense the presence of God. How is that? It's because you've sown seeds in your home, spiritual seeds, sacrificial seeds, and it's created an environment that when people come in, they feel a shift. How many have ever walked into a home and felt that shift when you're like, dude, there's, a, there's like a spirit of peace on this house? I mean, a lot of us have experienced that, where it's just like, man, there's, there's, some, there's some different substance in here. It's not chaotic. It's not disordered. It's got God's order here. What would that mean for your children? If, if A lot of us here, I think we had 13, 14 Young babies in the last 12 months, be fruitful and multiply. You guys are obeying that command, praise God. All right. But think about the children. Think about your children. Imagine creating this kind of culture in your home. What would that mean for your children? What would that mean for the people that you host? What would that mean for the trajectories of the lives that are in your home? A lifetime of fruitfulness because you've learned how to establish God's kingdom in your garden. And I, maybe just this week, think about what that could look like, but then tend to it. Tend to it. Are there weeds in? Are there weeds? Tend to those weeds. Maybe you've ignored those weeds for years. Maybe those are the ones you need to go after first. Maybe that would maybe break something, stronghold in your home, and bring freedom and resurrection life. Amen? So as we're kind of going about this week, let the Holy Spirit kind of stir two things. One, what would my family look like with God's Spirit in full charge of my home? And then, what do I need to tend to? Are there pests that I'm just being passive in letting in the culture of the world, letting come in? Because the culture will define your children. Make no mistake, it will. Is your house built on a rock or is it built on sand? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word that coaches us, teaches us, trains us, equips us how to cultivate the garden that you've given us. And Father, I, I feel this kind of amazing sense of inadequacy that I think we all feel, God, because we've made many mistakes. But God, how do, I've just learned through life that mistakes make for the best fertilizer. The best. And so, Father, I pray that we would even have the humility to just admit, God, we've made a mistake. God, we're making mistakes. We're, 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 we're sowing bad seeds in our home. God, give us the strength and the ability to repent and change those seeds. God, may we fall out of agreement with sowing seeds of the flesh and sow seeds of the Spirit in our homes. Father, may we live to give sacrificially and love sacrificially in our homes and not just there to take or there to command. So, Father, I pray that just your Spirit would fill every home that's here. And, Father, I pray that, Lord, we would allow you to be Lord and King of our home as much as we allow you to be Lord and King of our heart. 
So pray, I pray that we would be all in. I pray that we would be founding, building our house on the rock of Christ. All other ground, all other ground is sinking sand. Father, give us your grace to tend to, your strength to tend to the things that we need to tend to. Lord Jesus, one of the keys to the gospel of resurrection life is dying. We kind of handle that at Easter, but this is maybe some areas where you just need to die. You know, we don't have moral authority to rebuke what we allow in our, in our homes. It would just be like, you know, having a heart to kind of give towards sex trafficking ministries, yet watch porn at home. God, I pray that you would highlight any duplicity or any hypocrisy, Father. I pray that you would help us be the righteous men and women, the righteous sons and daughters of God, rising up in this generation for such an hour as this. Father, I pray that you would help us steward our homes, teach us and guide us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. We'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.